Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 765, recorded today on Wednesday the... Ooh, what is the Wednesday? What is it today? It's Wednesday the 2nd of August. Second. That's right. I, I, I should know this. Uh, anyway, uh, this is a music technology podcast. We talked about all things to do with the kind of world of production, uh, synthesizers, uh, software, drum machines, playing live... All kinds of stuff, streaming, you know, whatever kind of works, really, uh, and uh, whatever uh, music technology uh, uh, touches together with our sort of lives in culture. Uh, um, I, I should also point out that, uh, yes, I do have a, uh, um, a cast on. Uh, this is my broken wrist, which I suffered uh, last week, uh, but I'm fine, thank you, and I've figured out that I just need to move the mouse to my other hand and I should be all right, so everything's good. I uh, want to say hello and thank you to uh, the chatties. As ever, thank you very much to uh, Wagyu for handling the um, the chat room, making sure that it's moderated and also mon uh, keeping an eye on the code which pulls all of the channels, the Twitch, the IRC, uh, the YouTube, all together. Nice to see a bunch of you in there. I think I just saw... Uh, Oh, we've got Pendle Stephen, Paula Blank, Red Walks, Zen Artist, and I did see another name which has gone past. Problem is, when you're doing this, you don't have much room for short-term memory because you've got to think in the moment. You have to keep control of it all. Uh, anyway, I um, want to say hello to our guests. We'll start with uh, Robbie Puricelli from uh, Failed Muso, failedmuso.com. Well, not only Failed Muso, Failed Muso and the Sound Sound podcast and many other things besides. He's also, uh, are you writing for Gear News as well now? Um, did I see your I name am, on yes. a few articles? Yeah. In fact, yeah. did you write... I think you might have written one of the articles that we're uh, referencing about tame, how to sound like Tame Impala, possibly. No, that wasn't mine. That, that wasn't, wasn't mine. you. I saw you did it was one a good before. One. I got, it was yeah. a good one, yeah. Yeah, it was good. Anyway, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, certainly, uh, you know, not uh, suffering as, as you are, but uh, yeah, all, all good here <laughs> and uh, yeah, getting getting very busy at the moment i've got loads of things like my desk is a mess i've got no really to put my arms i just got one of these the other day uh the little um black box from 1010 oh, which nice. is brilliant this is really good fun and then this just arrived this morning from france which is a it looks like a guitar pedal it kind of is but it's designed to be used with live uh for triggering uh loops and live looping and um yeah it's so uh, i've got that and I've got other things that I can't show, and it's it's really busy. So that's all good. Excellent. And of course, you've got the uh, DX1 behind you there, in case anybody should yes. uh, question question your credentials. <laughs> Check out. Look at my synth. It says. Look at that. What a beautiful thing. And I I have to say, I'm very impressed that you haven't put stuff on it because it is frankly a large flat surface area, which and left at any time in most places will be covered in all kinds of things. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's just just Neil and Chris from the Pet Shop Boys at the moment. But yeah, it's it is kind of tempting to put things on there. But the thing is, it's 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 been okay. It's not been very well. Um, we think we know what the problem is. Um, but every now and again, I have to open it up, and literally the whole top CS eighty style comes up. Um, so I can't if I put anything on there, it just falls down the back. So um, uh. it, it luckily stays fairly clear. I was going to ask you what your policy was about mugs, but uh, that's clearly... Uh, oh, no. Clearly, <laughs> oh, no, no, I guess not. Well, the no, other no, thing no, is, no. is, I remember, because I used to have to do this with my... I used to have a Jupiter 4, which I had to open quite regularly and tune the voices, because it used to be terrible in variable temperatures. And I remember mm. once I had my hand on the side and the thing shut and the, you know, the corner of the thing went, oh, got to watch Ooh, out for that. You need yeah. some heavy strutting. And uh, yes. safe to health yeah. and health and safety on that stuff. Yes, indeed. Uh, just to make sure indeed. you don't chop your chop your hands. Ouch. Anyway, well, I'm glad <laughs> to hear it's working. 
and, yeah, uh, and yeah, other things lovely. Well. So are you creating many patches for it? <laughs> no, well, so this, this year is the 40th anniversary of the DX7 being launched. It launched in May 83. And to celebrate that, I'm doing a, um, well, I have been doing uh, kind of shows or, you know, synth shows with DX material, um, doing SynthFest in October. So doing a seminar with a, a very wonderful programmer called uh, Dr. Manny Fernandez, who programmed lots of the original stuff. He's coming in from America to, to help me with that. And I've been taking stuff around. I took this, I actually took this to uh, Synthesize, which is a small show in Cambridge at a computer museum. And it behaved impeccably, which was really surprising because it, it doesn't like being moved. Um, but I'm not taking that all the way to Sheffield. That's just a big, big thing. So yeah, no. but I'll be taking the TX816 instead. <laughs> yeah. I'll be taking the TX816 as well uh, to, to Sheffield with a QX1 and an RX11 and a DX7, which was what they called the YCAMS um, rig, you know, the Yamaha computer-assisted music system. Nice. So that'll be there. Yeah, Scritchy Politi will be uh, very uh, proud of you, yes. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, uh, we also have Joan uh, Nevo, who's there in uh, Nevo Sound in the studio, where I believe he's working on Atmos and amongst many other things. Thank you for taking uh, time out to join us. How are you, Joan? Are you well? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Good to be here, as always. It's probably, well, like, you know, I try to think, it's probably, like, my around my 100 show or something 100 show really? or something i joined what what are we on now seven six i five. think i joined when it was like 300 or something so wow. quite a few years back yeah if i had anything about me i should have a way i should be able to figure out a way to have people's running totals but i'm just trying to think i don't think everybody i would do now because i've got it all in spreadsheets but i don't i don't use a database for it but maybe i can get i Maybe I can get ChatGPT to count it for me. How many? Uh, I'll ask. Maybe we should ask ChatGPT whether it'll do it. Yeah. I remember. Sure I remember the few, the few first show. I was like, uh, you know, trying to get the camera right, and like an hour before to set up the lighting and all that. And today I joined it, like four minutes to four, four minutes before four or something like that. So uh, yeah, I feel much more at ease. Yeah, I well, hope that's that good. it doesn't show that much. Yeah, well. No, it's, it's fine. It's always good to have you. Thank you very much for you joining us. In fact, we were talking a little bit before the show, weren't we, about because uh, you're working on an Atmos mix at the moment. And uh, I think, you know, part of what you were saying was about uh, having to work with the Atmos renderer for mastering, which is the Dolby renderer, which is a little more... Uh, uh, technically challenging perhaps than just sort of putting stems out of logic but uh, i've noticed there's been there's a, i think ben jordan and a couple of other articles where it's like have we been have we been oversold the promise of atmos and i'm wondering whether and we were sort of discussing that a little bit and partly you know i think we can all agree that perhaps it was down to it's down to the listening environment because to get the most out of it you almost have to be in a scientifically measured environment to get the you know the, what the what the author of the mix originally intended and that's not something that we much we really have many of us have access to it's a bit like kind of there's only you know a certain number of imax theaters and if you make a film for imax it's like well how many people are actually going to see it i wonder what you think i mean because you're now you know you're certified you're working on this stuff i mean part of your it's part of the canon of your daily life you know do you find mm -hmm. were you expecting some more innovation to be able to make it more uh, 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 accessible by now 
Um, I think that the key, the key issue here is the translation to headphones, because as we all know, 99.9% uh, of the population consume music on, on, on headphones. Um, and although we only have two ears, yet we can hear surround and we can hear, obviously, life is quite immersive uh, in terms of, uh, of, of the sonics of it. Um, the translation to, to headphones um, is not yet that great. Um, you get some, so, so when uh, the difference between hearing it in this room, which is very meticulously calibrated, you know, all the speakers are, are at an equal distance from my nose and, and things like that. And I sit here in a, in a kind of very controlled environment. Um, the, the, the thing it has, that has to be said is that uh, Dolby Atmos mixes, when they're done properly, usually translate well to other Dolby Atmos listening environment or 714 listening environment, at least. Um, so the, the problem remains um, the, translating it to binaural. Um, and I've worked on, on the Waves NX, um, which is, you know, it, it's it's decent. There are other technologies, other similar technologies, and the built-in um, Dolby Atmos um, binaural um, encoding and the Apple encoding. But it's not great. And in theory, we should be able to emulate what we're hearing with our two ears and and people mm. forget because when you think about surround you think but we only have two holes here and we hear everything in surround so in theory we should be able to to get good results um and we are um like i said i'm, I'm i was involved with with the technology that that tries to to emulate that, uh, but there's still a long way to go. Um, I feel that the motivation has somewhat diminished, uh, and there's a kind of a mm. yeah, a little bit of a. There was a big hype around yeah, Dolby Atmos for consumers, but um, I'm still hopeful because I'm enjoying very much um, the the headroom, the extra headroom. It, it's not only the the kind of immersive experience. It's just the fact that instead of trying to condense everything into two speakers, you have twelve. So in terms of the dynamic range and and headroom, and especially when I produce in Dolby Atmos from the beginning, so that opens a lot of um, of possibilities, and I am still excited about that. And hopefully things will will improve on headphones because that's that's the key. And until I've such got, time got, where we have completely autonomous um, satellite speakers, which can get powered by Wi-Fi and uh, and and get the audio, so they don't you don't have to attach wires and power leads and and things like that, and you can just throw them somewhere on the walls and, and the ceiling easily. Even then, I, I can't see too many people adopting that approach. And like I said earlier, this is something that we've experienced with uh, at 
you know, in the early 2000s when when the 5.1 uh, kicked in, which I was very heavily involved with the the development of products um, for 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 that as well. But it didn't catch on because of that. Uh, yeah, but hassle, back then we didn't have the binaural kind of technology that we have now. But it's still, I wouldn't say it's early days, but it needs to be better. I have a thing. So I'll come to you second, Robbie. I've I just I've literally just had a thought. What what's what's wrong with the idea of having a kind of larger over ear headphone that effectively has a speaker here, a speaker here, a speaker here, and then one in the middle, and they have that on both sides, and so that, that you can, you almost you have the ability to create that psychoacoustic movement. Is that something that is just a total non-starter? Because it seems to me it might actually be um, possible. So the structure of the ear, the, the pinna and the, the filtering um, and the acoustic nature of, of the ear itself, the structure, the physical structure of the ear itself has a, as, is key to, to our perception and uh, spatial hearing. Um, when you when you try to emulate it with something other than real speakers in the room, you better off uh, try you better off emulate the early reflection and the filtering kind of um, properties um, because. Yeah, it's it's not very it viable. Um, oh, that's a shame. I thought I caught. I thought I was onto something. Then I really thought I got it. I thought oh, that's that's my ticket. Someone would go. Uh, you, you, it, <laughs> it does work with stereo. I remember that um, AKG used to have these headphones, which were like actually two speakers. So the headphones would come like that, but then you would tilt the speakers to get the angle. And they sounded great. It wasn't headphones in the terms of isolation because it was just two small speakers. And but they sounded really, really good. It was uh, I don't remember what it was called. So yes, but no, unfortunately. Uh, yes, yes, but no. I don't know. Ro <laughs> I, actually, I, I confess, Robbie, I don't think I've ever heard a properly set up Atmos system, which is. I feel ashamed to say there's usually been too much of a yeah. queue or I feel it's a bit like walking into a car showroom where you're kind of, you know, you're not going to buy it. So you don't want to waste their time by sitting down in it. And I really feel I should, um, should yeah. actually check it out. I mean, I, I got into, well, no, I've got, I've got everything except the speakers. That's the next thing for me to complete my, my Atmos system. Um, but I've been into surround sound or whatever you want to call it, spatial audio as they, they can, since uh, probably the 90s when you know I had the Dolby Pro Logic system and I was listening or you know watching movies in Pro Logic um, which was a matrix based system so it wasn't discreet uh, but it was okay it kind of gave you a, the idea of being immersed in in a film and then you know 5.1 came out DVDs helped you know really popularize that and then we started to see music being released in 5.1 and I got very excited because that's you know that was my main interest and some you know there's good mixes there's bad mixes some that really work really really well in 5.1 others maybe not so much um there was a classic somebody took pet sounds and did that in 5.1 and it was absolutely awful um 
but and it's just one of those albums that just really sounds best in mono but um i've got boxes literally are still in boxes because i moved house not long ago and uh, of 5.1 albums and i'm still buying them today i'm waiting for abc's lexicon of love to arrive on friday um, which <laughs> comes with an atmos mix and a 5.1 mix and the stereo mixes and all that i love it but it's got to be done right and i got really excited when Apple said that they were going to, you know, they you know, obviously rebranded its spatial audio, but they were going to be distributing music in in uh, in Atmos. But it's so heavily compressed that it doesn't sound that great. And then, as as Yoad has very expertly, you know, pointed out, most people listen on headphones. They've not got the binaural thing right, so it doesn't really sound as impressive as it would if you listen to it on a proper speakered system. So we had this kind of impasse where the cost prohibited people from getting into it and also you know the the partner annoyance factor where you're draping wires all around the room to put the speakers in the right places and you're drilling holes and all this kind of stuff uh, but we simplified the delivery or seem to simplify the delivery but then with atmos we've made the other the other part even more complicated because you're going to need at least 11 speakers you know for a 714 system or above then you're going crazy and you're going to have stuff in the ceiling or things that are firing upwards and is it going to be right and as you know, again said you know calibration is a really important thing and it, it just it seems to be always shooting itself in the foot as a format and the, the public's perception of it isn't great and i try and champion it as much as I can, um, but there's just so many obstacles. So, so many other things need to get ticked off the list before it does become yeah, a. Yeah, uh, I mean, it has to system. be headphones because even even if you go through all of that and you calibrate your room, it's only going to be one at a time. You can only one of you can hear it properly at a time, really. I yeah, mean, unless you've uh, got mu music's a little different, um, you know, because I found. Because I, I, at one point I had three 5.1 systems in my house. I had one in my, you know, inverted commas studio just for listening to, you know, it wasn't for mixing or anything, it was just for listening to material. I had one where the, the games machines were and I had one in my, my lounge where my big TV was. And each of those sounded slightly different, but, you know, I, was, I had a very patient wife who tolerated, you know, all these speakers everywhere. Um, but it's, uh, music was... Certain things, like I remember listening to uh, Depeche Mode's albums when they were all released in 5.1. And whilst there wasn't... If you focus on the centre channel, this is where a lot of mixers sometimes get things wrong, is if you use the centre channel for the lead vocal, that then does kind of spoil it because it does lock you into that film paradigm of having to sit in the sweet spot and stay there for the rest of the album. But some mixers do just tend to use the extra speakers for for space to let things breathe and you don't just have instruments or vocals locked to certain speakers you're just kind of opening up the soundstage and when i was listening to those depeche mode albums i was hearing elements that i'd never heard before simply because they'd now got you know five speakers to kind of you know pushing the things weren't getting mushed up um so whether that was because they weren't mixed great in the in the first place or whether it's because they were mixed fantastically i don't know but it certainly does make a difference and i really enjoy mm. it and i know a lot of people would disagree with me and you know that's just the way it is interesting 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it's a good time. I, I really must sit down and have a proper listen. In fact, they did have a big focal or a little focal system in the uh, Gearfest in UK in mm -hmm. London, and I I almost went, but it's like I had to go and shoot something else. I really must make a point of doing it because I haven't yet. And I I suppose I, I I feel like people who are going to be doing that are going to be asking me questions that I'm going to sound like an idiot when I answer them incorrectly. I suppose I feel like I might be found out for for something or other, uh, my lack of experience, which I, I agree fully, lack of experience in any to do with uh, surround anyway right we've got other things to talk about i mean so far we've been completely off piste there's absolutely no there's been well this wasn't even in the list so i feel like we've already uh, we're already we're going to be all right folks don't worry um, so i'm wondering whether or not uh, where to go next i'm thinking maybe i'm going to go with uh let's have a look let's do this one let's go for uh um yeah let's go for uh oh this one Hi and welcome to Cinematic Instruments. Today I'd like to present you a new, small but very nice instrument. And the best thing is, the instrument is for free. Great way to do a demo, I thought. And there's a looper, a sample player. And has a granular engine. On and has a granular engine. And has a granular engine. Does take a little bit of concentration to kind of figure out what's coming next, but it's a really well put together thing. This is from Cinematic Instruments. Uh, basically, uh, they've got some really good, reasonably priced libraries as well. They've got the Vertigo Collection, which I think is strings and flute, around seventy-five euros, and the Ensemblia uh, Chamber Orchestra is a bit more expensive. But there are some really good demos actually if you check out the demo page. This is free. You do need uh, Contact Six full or later because it doesn't work in player in fact i'm not sure what the current state is because obviously to do release instruments as a contact player you have to pay ni to compile it together so i wonder if it could be done but i i don't know whether what at what point past free does it become you know how much would it have to be to make it viable so you'd have to buy contact at the moment which i think is 269 at the moment but it's almost i mean you know I really like the sound of you. You've listened later on in the demo, and there's some just really lovely, from what looks like a very basic interface, some really nice stuff. I don't know what you thought about that, Robbie. It's some really... I, yeah. I, I don't have contact, but it's almost made me think, like, maybe I should ask for an NFR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, like you, I didn't have contact for a long while, then had a need to have it, not from a production point, but when people were sending me stuff like this to review... I needed something to, to play. And as you say, the, the player is so restrictive to the developer because it costs them, you know, more money to, to put it into that uh, platform. I love granular. I'm, you know, I'm a big sampling guy. That was kind of my, my big uh, love for many, many years. And what people are doing with granular now is, is quite exciting. And I had a little play with this, uh, this afternoon and it's, it's oh, just great, great fun. Um, and you can really, you know, get some, uh, wonderful sounds. It's very easy. It's a nice interface. The only drop, downside it? is it's, it's in contact. Yeah, it is. Just drag and drop it in, and there's just a few dials, and you can then just move things around you know, live and mess around with it. Um, and yeah, it's free, so why wouldn't you do it? I mean, it's... It, so the only downside is it's on the contact platform, um, and that, you know, that's going to cost people money if they haven't already got it. But um, granular is, I think... It's certainly in the last year or so, it's gained a lot of traction. You know, it's been around for a while, but it's it seems to now be quite commonplace, and which is a good thing because I think you can get some great stuff. Um, you know, what I remember when it was actually going back to your sponsors, I think UVI produced um, Mac 5.3 before they moved 
uh, was, you know, parted ways with Motu and then it, it became Falcon. And there was a demo, and it probably still is on YouTube, where somebody took the opening brass section from the Star Wars theme, shoved it through the granular engine of Mac 5.3, which is you know further improved in Falcon, and just found one grain and then just made this beautiful pad from this one grain. And it was all done in, in a very short space of time. Um, and it was just stunning what you could actually do now just by breaking a sample into its tiniest little sort of constituent bits. A lot of fun, and it's free. So, yeah, it gets a big tick in my book. Yeah, nice. I think it's, it is kind of interesting. I think the, the first, I, my first uh, proper exposure to it, I think we covered it on the uh, on the show many, many moons ago. It was the pull stretch, and it was Justin Bieber slowed oh, yeah. down by 6,000%. And it's just, you know, when done well, it, it is beautiful. And, and and for those who are interested, actually, pull, pull stretch or pull stretch pull X stretch. was that there is a UI version of it uh, that you could load as a plugin, which I think I did. I did a demo or a sound thing on it uh, some t- you know, many moons ago. Uh, it's, it's nice, isn't it? This, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know whether contact it and, and is, is so widely used. A lot of people, a lot of manufacturers now are sort of building their own engines, so maybe less people will have it. Um, but it's still a big factor of what's out there, right? So contact is the kind of still de facto um, sample library vehicle. Um, I, you know, I I've been using contact for for forever since it came out. Um, I used to like contact too. I remember fondly, but ever since then, I feel that it's very very sluggish. Even with today's M1 and all that, and every time there's an update, I'm I'm hoping that it's going to be, you know, just it loads. It takes a while to load, and but more more than that, that's something that I can live with. But when you have a few instances, or even just one, from the moment you you click on it till the moment you see the GUI, it can take like. 10, 15 seconds, and, and it seems to be uh, in like, yeah, it's it's always been like that. And for me, it's a it's a work, you know, I, I, I just can't use it. I used to use um, EXS because it was just instant. And now I use Nexus for, for most of my sample uh, needs. Um, uh, and I do use, uh, I do have a lot of contact libraries, but I you know, I don't use them much. I tend to use the East-West and the Muso, like you said, the the their proprietary uh, playback engines. With regards to this uh, granular um, product, um, there's an issue with all of contact um, sort of base products because they're they're using the the built-in um, time stretch algorithms. And what they what they've done here, it's it's basically kind of hacking. Uh, a lot of a lot of developers do that because that's what you have. You have the contact platform, which is very capable, uh, and it has a lot of features, but it doesn't have the best time stretch algorithms, um, and that's what they've been using here. So basically, right. they're manipulating the start point of the sample and the loop points in real time. So they expose the controllers to the users. And as a software developer, as a plugin developer, I cringe when I when I hear the clicks and the glitches and the and all that. You know, so so for me it's not it's not a platform for for a professional 
product, if you compare it to the granular um, capabilities of um, what's it called? Uh, the Arturia pigments, uh, which mm -hmm. is very, very smooth and very lush and uh, and it's you know it's it's meant for this purpose uh, so if you ha if you would ask me whether to invest 200 or however much the contact costs in order to get this free product or to get pigments which <laughs> is probably cheaper i believe to do the same thing yes. plus you get like a million presets and and all the other synth engines and and all that I think it's a no-brainer. Um, so I see point. it more as a as a, as a gimmick, um, it, and it, it's you know it's quite easy to to create these atmospheric pads and stuff with with granular um, with a granular engine, uh, and once you set it and you play, it's fine. But when you tweak it and you get all those glitches, it's and not. Stuff, it's not it's real uh, time. That's interesting. Do yeah. you? I mean, because I mean, because I imagine the whole kind of contact engine and licensing um, sort of business model has been the kind of foundation of a lot of what has made Native Instruments, you know, money over the years. Absolutely. It would be surprising, or it is actually quite surprising, that they haven't tackled some of that stuff you know i mean just just licensing or designing better time stretch algorithms m1 capability native stuff which will really i mean when you consider the name of the company's native instruments it kind of isn't yeah. native it's just emulation instruments which is a bit sort of uh, it's quite uh, quite ironic in a way uh, um, as a result but i wonder if it's coming the thing is that they do have the reactor platform and in reactor you have some beautiful um granular based instruments some of them are commercial uh, released by native and some of them are free from the the user community and all that and uh, and they they are much more capable and i'm sure that i don't know how much reactor uh costs as a standalone uh i always get the, the complete ultimate and all that uh so yeah but, actually i should say uh, pendle steven says i think for 50 percent more than just contact uh, you could get complete standard, which presumably will have that stuff in it as well. Uh, that's probably worth checking yeah. out. I can't and reactor that at the moment. as well. So I would, you know, for for people who want to 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 experiment with uh, with granular stuff, there, there's some lovely patches on uh, on reactor for that. Mm. And and pigment, I love I love pigment. Uh, it's it's a bit fiddly because it has so many features, but the sound quality. And the presets and the other stuff it does. Uh, it's a it's well. A, I you know actually not only that. I mean they they got a really good. They took that sort of whole notion of that you get a lot with software instruments where there's so much going under the hood, but you can't really see what's going on. And pigments really address that with that sort of modulation. It's almost like the uh, the one you rack in the middle of your mo uh, uh, viewer rack system where you have a yeah. kind of and it's just for status display. Mm -hmm. And that stuff is really. I mean, it's really impressive the way that they've they've added that. And I think that's just you know that. That's the thing that, that that differentiates it as well as the the fact that it's it's just so deep in that way. Yeah, that uh, that kind of that was there on the ES two the 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 logic kind of um, oh yeah native thing many years ago. This is a really underestimated uh, synth, 
uh, and sculpture as well. They have horrible, this horrible UI very, though. Very <laughs> Yes, yeah. too. Was that the one that had the sort of the spinning yeah. central centerpiece? Yeah. Yeah, wow, yeah but still, gosh. I mean, it's it's what twenty years or something uh, yeah. since two thousand six, I think, uh, when when all the instruments came out, and it's still the the, the like sonically the the sound generation is is really really high quality. Yeah, how it doesn't have any effects and all that, so it's not a modern synth, but it's a good one. Yeah, well, very valid point. Nice one. Um, let me just get back to our uh, topics page. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I, it, it's worth. I was just. I would say it's worth checking out the uh, cinematic uh, instrument stuff anyway, because some of the things are great. But again, you're going to be tied into the uh, contact engine, which I suppose it makes sense if you've already got it. If you have to buy it, I think you, I don't know whether their stuff works on player. Whether you again, you need full contact. I because there, there's two tiers, aren't there? There's the companies that do. Um, uh compile the stuff to work on player and then there's ones that you actually have to you know you have, you just have to buy the thing and that that's probably becoming a less and less as you say less and less kind of uh useful um option yeah okay so uh gosh it's quite liberating having done the voiceovers because i don't have to do anything for a minute <laughs> get a, a moment to have a breather i must make more of that and do it more often um but anyway i haven't uh so all right let's have a look um What's next that we could look at? Oh, yeah, this one's nice. Strymon Brig, which is a sort of... It's a bit like a, a full shot. Like Brigadier, which is their bigger kind of uh, BBD emulation. This is Brig. And I suppose maybe they'll come out with a br or a b. Who knows? <laughs> It does have a thing, doesn't it? It really does. It's got uh, two two BBD chips. I don't profess to know the answer to those, but it's uh, what you know what the difference is: three double o five and the three two o five, plus a multi voice mode where you can sort of join them together and you have a stereo uh, delay line with a golden ratio timing to create complex soundscapes and a huge stereo sound field apparently, uh, plus modulation, uh, true stereo. It's a thing, isn't it? I, I, I must admit, I'd forgotten because our world has so, been so kind of uh, encompassed with reverb algorithms and complex algorithms from Eventide and all of those kind of people. Actually, just hearing a good old-fashioned BBD, which is what all, you know, maybe when you or I started out, you know, that my first effects pedal was definitely, it was a £10 frontline de de delay, which didn't go very high and was grungy as hell, but had a certain something. It's really got, there's, there's something that you sort of miss from it, and it can be very uh, reverb-like as well, which is also quite interesting. I don't know what you think, Robbie. Are you, like me, a bit, have been seduced by the uh, the lushness of uh, shimmers and other reverbs? Or oh, you yeah. Delay, a delay person too. This looks nice. I, I think reverb has had its little renaissance and we've had the shimmers and everyone's putting a shimmer in here and a shimmer in there. And, and I think delays have um, lacked a little bit of love. So it's nice to actually, you know, hear a proper, you know, modeling of those classic BBD chips uh, in, in a little box. It's Strymon, so it's going to be good. Uh, it's going to be well made, and of course, it's going to be what was it, two hundred and sixty, two hundred and seventy for that, which is not two hundred fifty nine dollars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, actually, it's going to be what, what does that make about two hundred and twenty quid? I think so, or maybe 
a little less, maybe one nine nine. So it's not too bad. There, there are other alternatives. You know, the the boss stuff is always uh, is always very competent. I'm not a big pedal person, so I'm not really talking from a position of authority. But it did sound. Re- it just sounded that, that classic delay. And maybe maybe now is the time for a bit of a resurgence in delays and maybe doing some some new stuff with those things and uh, let you know let reverb have a breather and then then we'll get into chorus pedals and then, then it'll be. Hell break everybody it, uh, everybody no. will flange what uh, come yeah. on everybody let's flange <laughs> <laughs> flange parties oh yeah. that sounds wrong oh, so no. doesn't it i think yeah. it does flange.com yeah. doesn't really bring uh, <laughs> studio work to mind does it it's more of a perhaps a cd nature i'm not sure anyway it won't go there um, the i don't know that Flanger in the night, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, delays and stereo delays used to be such a, a a kind of mainstream. You know, that was you'd have your TC, you know, your 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 uh, lexicon, and then you'd have one of the TCs or something which was just you know the TC twenty two ninety, which was the sort of top drawer of mm-hmm. that that kind of stereo delay, and it was a thing. It was just everywhere, wasn't it? And it just doesn't seem to be delay. Doesn't seem like. I mean, I suppose if you're repeating something and you're EQing the feedback loop, which, you know, everybody puts a delay plug-in in their DAW, it sort of became less special somehow. But it's not. I mean, it's definitely got a thing. Um, there's something about the attack and the way on these analog delays, uh, the way that it's all squashed, but the attack is not getting kind of spiky. It gets very rounded and very sort of almost like Fender Rhodes like. So you play, you can play a strat into it and it comes back as almost like a, a keyboard or something. Um, yeah, I love, uh, I have, I have this thing, which is a part of, um, of, uh, Korg, uh, what's it called? Uh, PME 40X, which is like a, a floor. Oh, maybe I can show it here. Um, so it's basically you, you slot. I have two of those, so I have quite a few pedals. They have oh, it's a modular pedal, pedal. I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's from the 80s, and this is a stereo analog delay. And there's something about the uh, there's something about the sound that. Um, Nothing else sounds quite like it. Um, you can you can recreate the the tap sound with convolution, um, but then if but then you will lose the whole sort of and all that, all the dubby stuff. So for something constant, you can rec- recreate and and modulation you can add later and stuff like that and. Um, but there's the inherent kind of latency issue with uh, with convolution. Um, yeah, there's something about the delay, which th- there's something about analog delay, no doubt about it, um, which is good. And this this unit looks lo- looks nice. I think that the way what I find a bit funny is the way I suppose that it's a pedal, so that it's compact, so they have to to make make it stereo somehow so i think that the when you want to plug it as stereo you use the trs output oh, and I'm when it's mono sure, you just use actually it. that's extraordinary Let's because i didn't that. see two jack outputs it's only one so i presume it's a trs so you need like an insert cable or something which is fine um yeah i suppose that 259 
it's not cheap. You know, it's not. It's not. Well, Strymon stuff isn't, though, is it? I mean, try, the, it generally isn't that cheap. So I suppose it's cheaper than other Strymon offerings, which in the Strymon world it's not expensive. I suppose. Yeah, but from the from the demo, it it does sound good. It does it does make you want to kind of have it. Um, but I, I think I'm gonna. It reminded me of this, and I'm gonna fire it up and. Uh, and play with it later maybe use it on a mix i, I just like to bring up to, uh, that i did find this is actually flange.com uh which uh, i think <laughs> it's uh i'm not entirely sure what that does but it's not what i expected so it's all it's it's certainly suitable for work so we don't need to worry about uh, too much of that so i might actually call the show flange.com or flange party not sure yet We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's great. It's, I mean, Str when Strymon released stuff, I mean, they they were they almost were responsible for the resurgence of Eventide uh, algorithms in a way because they effectively yeah. just released some stuff which you know the Big Sky and the Capistan and all of these things which were were essentially just just DSP algorithms that many uh, others already you know that uh, Eventide and uh, Lexicon will already have these amazing things, but they just did emulation so well and then that kind of resulted in in people looking back at, at, at dsp pedals again so you know i suppose they have a, a a thing which is well worth well worth checking out they've got they've got a sound they do seem to concentrate on the sound very nice anyway i just thought i'd throw that in there uh let's see what we got um what's the time we've got 15 minutes left uh, i'm going to do this one because i just think it's um i just think it's great fun so let me just press it I'll try. Hopefully, we'll get busted for this. Uh, this is an article that was actually on Gear News, and this is uh, Tamian Parlor in Wave Studio or Wave House, which looks like a nightmare. I mean, how's he ever going to see his screens with that massive picture window and all the curtains open and everything? So this is him. This is uh, Kevin Parker just doing his thing. I don't. Doesn't look like it's. He's using the Boss BR uh, 864 and the BR 1600 CD, but. It's great. And then there's actually a um, there's a really good uh, another video from uh, whoops, it's not that one. Look this at this one. studio because this yeah. is where it all begins. This is really good. Audio Haze, you check them out. He does a, a big exposure about the gear that was used because it's at this time in Parlor album uh, Currents, I believe it was was massive and I, I I've heard the name a lot I don't really know all that much about it it's really good little documentary about the gear involved and just this sort of dream it's like a fairy tale isn't it guy goes to a studio he finds this sort of beach house in the middle of nowhere and makes an album that sells millions and millions of copies and he not only that but he records it on some sort of fairly low rent crappy BR uh, boss multi-tracks I mean we this is this is the stuff that we all used to slaver about as children, you know, as yeah. kids. When it was like, particularly when you go back and you think, you know, Prince Sign of the Times was supposedly made all on sort of demo kit. Uh, the same, uh, I think, Eurythmics. A lot of their stuff was done on Fostex or a Tascam eight track. And you just think, yeah, it's possible. We could do it. We could do it. And it's uh, it sort of hides the fact yeah. that obviously he's a very talented bloke. But it's a lovely story, isn't it? That's the thing. Uh, he is incredibly talented. I love the stuff that he does as Tame Impala. Um, it is it's just it's so cool to see somebody who is incredibly talented in a room that's just full of gear that just i'm, I'm sure it's been assembled in in a particular way but it looks like it's just been thrown into this room and he's walking around and he's laying down the baseline then he goes to the drum kit and he lays down the drum loop and then he goes somewhere else and he does this and he just ends up with this wonderful you know piece of music 
um i've got a huge amount of time for this guy and i yeah i just love that kind of i think we'd all love to be in a place like that with the big picture windows and just you know no no commitments no mobile phones just sit there and, and make music but unfortunately it's a rare thing um but no, it's uh, and and the gear he uses is incredibly eclectic and uh, doesn't seem to be any kind of gear snobbery in there. He's just picking up and using stuff. Uh, does it sound it's, good? Yeah. Yes, right. It's in. Yeah. It. What I know is there's a hell of a lot of ninety eighties slash nineties PA and recording microphones. Yeah. AKG four five ones, which used to mm. use as hi hats, incredibly hyped top end. Uh, uh, which I guess used to sort of would cut through on the tape formulations that everybody had at the time, and also fourth four two ones Sennheiser four two ones, which are the the drum that you used to use them on toms and and load of fifty sevens. I just thought that was really interesting. I mean, no, yeah, I mean when we did your track explode or track breakdown thing of the the thing you did for a, a sort of thing, I was just shocked at the stuff that you were using to get it in there. But I suppose you could do so much more after the fact now to kind of bring it into line. It, it, it's you know, get it while you can, right? Yeah, I think that there's something very natural and organic about, but this is, that's his sound or their sound. You know, you, what you see is what you get or what you hear is what you get because uh, you hear something which is very lo-fi, very kind of, you can almost hear that everything is unbalanced because you have that... Um, kind of fat everything sounds bigger um i remember that from you know the time i used to to to, to before I, I i started working in big studios and and the whole kind of ultimate quality and uh, equipment and all that uh, but it's when when it's combined with the talent and the intention then you get something uh, really kind of lovely and magical and uh, and it kind of busts the whole myth about um, mm. good gear and all that because the whole thing is recorded to uh, into a shitty digital you know uh, Roland Bo boss sort of a track so it's all kind of 16 bit uh, it's all that but it works you know it that's his sound and and that's that's what it is so it's it, it kind of it doesn't matter whether it's digital or analog and and all that it's the intention and the the playfulness and the and the musicality and the the imagination uh which comes to play here it's not it's not about the gear um mm. yeah I, I think you're right it's interesting what you say there i mean I, I wonder how much of that stuff we're kind of almost being spoon-fed a little bit because it was mixed by somebody else and i'd like to have a conversation with them <laughs> they dealt with all of these you know the, the the technical limitations maybe it all just was push the phase up and wow that's amazing or maybe a yeah, lot but... of the magic we hear in the album was in was was brought in by or enhanced with, by with the guy stuff like it. that you know that it's been recorded like that you know that when you're right. gonna push the faders you're gonna get the vibe it's not like you have to reconstruct it in the mix to make it lo-fi intentionally it's actually lo-fi it's recorded like that mm. and the drums are recorded with like three mics or four mics or something like that and that's what you have 
And a, a lot of the, the music we, we grew up on was done like that. So there's no reason why it shouldn't sound good. I think the thing that struck me is because they the, the, uh, the, I don't know the name of the guy from audio Hayes he's a great he's great on camera he's got a really good delivery and he's very compelling what he says but he, he was saying that the fourth and there was showing pictures of where there are the two fourth AKG 451s which were basically used as overheads and I'm not hearing the sound of 451s on any of the drum stuff because that is it's very very bright. I mean the the 451s I I've got a 451 somewhere and I used to use it and I'd put it on a hi-hat and it was like you put it on a hi-hat and you have to take all the top end yeah, it's off very because brutal. it's it's yeah. like a kind of it's like a razor. It's it's quite unpleasant actually. So maybe he's got some magic he puts it into to tame it off as well. I don't know. Or a bucket brigade. That's why it's called Tame Impala. Hey! Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's magic. You know, it's it's all about the talent of people and it's all about the magic that it brings. That's that's what we do. And if we, you know, myself as a producer and a mixer, if I can help with that, that's what that's that's the intention that's what i do it's not about reconstructing the music it's about finding what the essence of the track or the song or the production or the beat is and turning it into a product uh, but mm. the more you have already there the easier it is it's interesting. I always used to be terrified about when we, because we, when when I was doing this for a living, uh, and we we started making records, and so I would be remixing things. Everything would be done in my studio with my, you know, crappy gear and what have you. And then when we were we got a record deal and we had to go to a studio to make a record and all the demos and stuff I'd done, I had a Fostex G16 and we kind of, you know, we, I was I, that whole thing of having to go in and having it kind of picked apart. Just, I found really distressing. <laughs> I really did not enjoy it whatsoever because it's sort of like, it's almost, it, it felt like the smoke and mirrors that I'd used to construct the thing would have just, it would all evaporate and you'd just be left with this mm -hmm. sort of a load of cobwebs and sticky tape. And it was like, well, where's the stuff? Where did it all go? You know, so <laughs> I, I can, it, I think there's a, what you say. I mean, it, and when you're working with an artist where that might be an issue for them, it's also about, making them feel comfortable that what you're going to do isn't going to kind of make them feel inadequate, I suppose, which within experienced people, I suppose you might get quite a lot people who've, who've just sort of suddenly found themselves in a position where they've been asked to do something properly, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, you know, you can have, you can make great music with just an acoustic guitar, Everyone has an acoustic or can get an acoustic guitar, but very few people can make it yeah. resonate or emotionally. And that's what it's all about. It's not, um, so it's almost like making, uh, you know, this whole show kind of. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's not about the gear, kids. You no, know, because we're talking about <laughs> yeah. gear and all that, but it's not about that. No, no, no it's I talent as well. Do you remember? Do you remember when um, magazines like Future Music uh, in the nineties used to come with a cover mount CD, and on that CD, 
um, would be like some readers tunes, you know, like there'd be three, you know, they'd select three tunes that had been submitted by readers. And I'd, I'd be in my little um, corner of the front room with like two or three synths and a, and a computer, trying my hardest to make some something that sounded somewhat decent. And I listened to one of these tracks and it sounded amazing. And I looked at it, uh, the, the, the liner notes, and it was this one guy with a, a standard kind of PC and a Sound Blaster All 64 sound card. And what he got out of that sound card just was just incredible. Uh, and it's just that one sound card, you know, the built-in synthesizers and a few samples, and it sounded amazing. And I just, I almost just gave up there and then, and then realized it's not what you've got, you know, he says, sitting in front of all this, this stuff. It's not what you've got in terms of equipment. You've got to have some modicum of talent and ability to use this. But also, I think the thing I took away from this um, uh, Tame and Parlor video is you've got to have some some freedom um, and you've got to get rid of those things that distract you. And if you can find a place, whether it's a beachfront house or whether it's a shed at the bottom of the garden or whether it's your mother's basement, but it's somewhere you can shut off and just focus on being creative. That really does help. Yeah, I, I think that's very true. I, I suppose that, you know, my follow-up question would be, you know, where's where's the place for you that either you haven't got or you have got, but you don't get to very often. I mean, making a creative space where you can be creative is it's partly, it's about, like you say, it's about the room and the gear. But there, I mean, there was no internet and no, mo no cell signal. So essentially... You really, it's like going camping with a studio because yeah, yeah. for most of us, that sort of stuff is, you know, you can't. So then I suppose the intent would be, okay, this is ready. Now I'm going to bounce this tune. I'm going to put it into a format. I'm going to drive to the place where I can go to be able to send it to somebody else to listen to. So my, the barrier to entry is much higher, I suppose, in a way. You're not just going to sort mm -hmm. of go, oh, this was fun. I, I don't know what you think about it. You're not going to be bothered. You, 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 there's a lot of self-selection going on there, which I think is probably quite a, an important part of what that album finally became because presumably yeah. there was none, you know, nobody got to have any input because you couldn't hear it until it was, yeah, until something exactly. was done at least. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, you've got to have that freedom, I think, as well. Yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Okay, well, yeah. I, I, that feels like quite a positive note to end on, and I feel I feel sort of a sense of accomplishment that we've got this far, and there are still a couple of topics left, and it's summer. We might keep them on the, the back burner because you never know, summer is a slow time, uh, and uh, I, I, we'll, we'll wait and see. But I do encourage you uh, to... I, I nearly forgot about this, actually. I should probably just, before we go, if you're interested in coming along to uh, our EMOM uh, event, uh, I'll put the link here is that yeah there we go well our imam I, well it's actually not the not the light so do check that out uh tickets available um tickets are is well worth it because last time we were actually very nearly sold out uh we got some i want to say thank you so much to um to john he did a great job on the graphics love love the graphics on this one yeah seven acts uh friday the september the 8th uh, seven till late. Charlie's Bar uh, will also be live streamed if you can't make it in person. Obviously, that's free. But uh, it, I mean, Battery Opera, Aid Orchestra, and Finley Shakespeare worth the price of the, of uh, entry alone, which is only seven quid or something um, to cover costs. So we're really fortunate that we'll be able to get such great acts. And I, I, I thoroughly recommend that if you can come along, um, and if you can't, then definitely check the stream out and try and come along to another one. But uh, thank you. Okay. Um, so Robbie, what's next for you then? Uh, when's, when's the next show you do your show? What day do you show on? Uh, we do it on Fridays at 7pm UK time. Um, 
So as you said, that's news the, the that's Synth Pro Network, yep. Pro, Pro, Pro Synth, Synth Network, Network yep. Pro Synth Network, um, sorry. So yeah, yes. Yeah, so if you just go to YouTube and search Pro Synth Network um, or at Pro Synth Network, you'll find us there. 7 p.m. Uh, UK for two hours. Um, we've got one this Friday. It's just going to be a little bit of news and just chat. Um, but we do have, in a couple of weeks' time, uh, Anthony Marinelli, who's the guy that's been doing all these Michael Jackson videos because he was an en- he was a synth programmer and engineer on Thriller and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Um, and I just I thought I took a punt because I've been really enjoying his videos. So I took a punt and just emailed him, and he got back to me the next day and said, I'd love to come on the show. It sounds great. Let's do it. So he's coming on, uh, I think it's August 25th. It's like the last Friday nice. in August or something. So. Yeah, look, really looking forward to that, and uh, hopefully we get a few more um, interesting guests. On Mick McNeil from Simple Minds is going to come back. Just spoke to him the other day, and uh, yeah, a few others we've got up our sleeve. Um, but yeah, there's there's lots of that, and I'm just prepping, doing some reviews for Gear News, and prepping for this uh, Synthfest uh, seminar on the seventh of October. So come to Sheffield. I think everybody generally does. You'll obviously be there. We'll see each other. Yep, yep. Um, it's a good day out. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. And Yoad, are you no, about to alt tab into uh, into your Atmos mix and uh, and get back into it, or have you got uh, got a bit of a break or something else going on? No, I'm in the middle of the mix, and I'm gonna go dive straight back here. Yeah. Nice. True multitasking. Excellent. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks to all of you folks in the chat room and the chatties. Uh, lovely to have you aboard, as ever. Uh, I'll, I think we go to our four shot. Yeah, there we go. That's the one we got. That's it for this week. Uh, that was Sonic Talk, uh, episode 765, in fact, it was. Thank you very much for watching. We'll see you all next time. Take care. Bye-bye now. <laughs>